HDRadioNetwork.com. Climb aboard and strap in. It's time for the Racing Rewind Show with your hosts, Glenn Carcini and Mike Saluka. Bringing you all the action from the Southern England tracks each and every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Heard only on the Victory Lane Radio Network presented by Anytime Realty. Let Mike and Glenn tell you the way it really happened out there at your favorite track. Strap in. Here we go. Welcome to the special edition of the Racing Rewind Show 2017 preview show. A little bit of off-season news to talk about. Some news to preview for the upcoming season. We have some great guests tonight. We have Matt Buckler to tell us about uh, all the off-season news and banquets that he's been emceeing. We have Tom Fox, who's the new race director of the New London Waterford Speed Bowl. And we also have Andy Sice, who... uh, is a Whalen Modified Tour competitor uh, who will be competing in the new Unified Whalen Modified Tour and also will be competing at Daytona in the ARCA Series. So we got a great show lined up tonight. Uh, Mike, unfortunately, um, we have to start the show on a pretty somber note. Um, this past weekend, uh, an icon in local motorsports, uh, photographer Howie Hodge uh, passed away. Um the guy uh, pretty much was the gold standard of uh, of all photojournalists um, in local racing, for sure. Um, besides that, though, he was a you know a good human being. Uh, unbelievable the outpouring of support, uh, grief, and other things on social media. Uh, just unbelievable the amount of people that he touched and uh, the stories people have conveyed via social media, and just uh, just a a, a, a sad loss, Mike. Yeah, very sad. Very sad. Uh, Howie Hodge, uh, for, for people that are listening that don't know Howie Hodge, I don't know how it's possible for listening to a local racing show and don't know who he is. Uh, just always brought the action right to you. Um, kind of innovative with some of the uh, photography they did. Just a great guy to talk to. A wealth of knowledge. Um, just racing. Just, just an all-around great guy. Um, had the chance to work with him a little bit when I, when I was at the speed bowl, uh, got to know him always, always a big fan of his work. Um, just, uh, uh, irreplaceable human being on many levels. And it's just sad to see, uh, uh, his passing. There's, uh, some information on, uh, the Chrome horn website and also on the whale modified tour page for his services. Um, they're on Wednesday in Manchester, I believe, three thirty to seven thirty. Um, so check into that if you're interested in uh, paying your respects. Also, um, another sad note: uh, about a month ago, local racing in the southeastern Connecticut area took a pretty big hit with uh, the uh, tragic um, automobile pedestrian accident that uh, took the life of John Brower Sr. For those of you who might not know, he was a track historian at the New London Waterford Speed Bowl uh, way back in the uh, early days. He was also an employee of the Speed Bowl. His son went on to race, and uh, just an all-around good guy and uh, good family, Mike. 
Yeah, John Brower, uh, senior, great dude. Um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with John Jr. and Steven, and, uh, you know, I've known, I've known Mac called Mr. Brower, you know, uh, John Sr., um, since I was a kid. And, uh, you know, it's just a senseless tragedy. Uh, on his 80th birthday, going out to get the mail and some asshole texting and driving, you know. But another, another tough, another tough one to take in the offseason. But, uh, he'll, he'll be greatly missed. He was, uh, he was the, like I said, track historian. I know our, uh, sometimes co-host and always good friend, Sid DiMaggio, uh, you know, uh, worked with him hand in hand a lot and he kind of mentored Sid a little bit with stuff. And, uh, you know, it's <clears throat> just a tragedy. Yeah, definitely. He'll, he'll be missed and, uh, condolences to his family. Oh, Mike, uh, the Speed Bowl Banquet was uh, a few weekends ago. Uh, was announced that Tom Fox will be the new race director for the 2017 season. We'll have him on later in the show to talk about all of that. Um, also, uh, the schedule this year, I'm sure you noticed it. Um, it doesn't go back to the early start that it always used to have uh, in previous management teams were, uh, were in-house starting in April. It still starts in the beginning of May, but it does return to ending the season in October. Uh, the regular Saturday night shows, I should say, in October. Uh, last year, they ended in mid-September. This year, the Saturday night shows go all the way up till I believe it's October 7th, like before. Uh, the mid-season championship races are back. Um, SK Lights running weekly and late models running uh, bi-weekly or some other changes. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Um, well, I think they had to do something to um, to uh, shake it up a little bit from the first two years. Um, you know, the first year was uh, something that was put together um, – rather quickly and uh, Sean did the best he could with the time frame he had because there you know people don't know uh, the approval wasn't wasn't given to even operate the track until I think February and you know throw a staff together get a schedule together and all that uh, you know was was pretty pretty rushed but I, I felt the people did a great job um, that year and, and last year was kind of a learning curve uh, year um, I think they figured out a lot of stuff that worked the first year because everybody was so uh, just happy to see the place still, you know, racetrack and, and alive and, and, and well. Um, so now people are starting to criticize things last year, and I think the management, uh, or whatever you want to call it, that they got over there, Scott Gregory, um, Heidi McDonough, uh, I think that's about it, um, have put together things, uh, you know, this is, once again, you're going into the season, there's no GM. Um, Scott's doing a hell of a job over there the best he can. Um, I don't, <clears throat> I don't, uh, well, I'll just say it. I don't know what's going on with the grandstands. I know there's rumors down this way that the town's not going to let them open unless they tear down the old grandstands and have the new grandstands in place. Uh, so that's a rumor. I don't know if it's true or not. I put it on Facebook a couple weeks ago. Uh, along with a couple other things, nobody really touched the grandstand uh, deal. I do know that grandstands have been purchased. 
depending on who you talk to, they're at the speed bowl, they're not at the speed bowl. Uh, depending upon who we talk to, uh, they're tearing down the old ones, putting the new ones in. Um, just a lot of faith in the speed bowl, though, because uh, I know they want to get it done, and I know they want to get open. They've already released the schedule. Um, they got a great race director stepping in. Uh, they went from Thursday Night Thunder to uh, Wild and Wacky Wednesday again, which I think uh, will bring back the crowds. Um, Billy Roberts will head up that uh, operation as race director. Um, you know, Billy was involved with the wacky stuff, and um, I, I think it's a great move on their part. Um, I mean, going every other weekend for the late models, it's you know, they pay them guys 750 bucks to win or 700 bucks to win, whatever they get it with some crazy amount of money to win. Uh, why run them every weekend when you can pay an SK Light competitor $300 to win and run them every week instead of every week? You know, it's, it's just simple mathematics there. Um, I, I do think that the next thing they need to do is address the purse situation because it's absolutely sickening what these guys race for. Um, but, you know, yeah, other I, than that, they, I they believe, seem to have their ducks in a row. I believe... Uh... The purse hasn't been changed since 1994. I was told. Yeah, when you could get a gallon of race gas for like six bucks, you'd get tires for eighty dollars. Yeah, no, nothing else has gone up in racing, right? Why raise the purse? <laughs> I'm being I'm being facetious. If you don't yeah, catch my yes. sarcasm, but uh, I'm 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 one of them guys that's for the racers. That's probably why I'm not a popular choice with any management group at any race facility. Um, you know. I'm, I'm willing to, uh, you know, promote and help out and get people to come out and see the race car drivers and the awesome talents that they, that they do. But I am a, I am for the race car drivers. I'm for the guys that are out in the shop six nights a week that are at the track early, stay late. Um, I think that, uh, track owners make plenty of money and tracks make plenty of money and they can afford to, uh, you know, step up with the times here and throw these guys a little more money for their for their efforts. And I, I think uh, I think you'll see a, a, a bigger car count. And you'll see a, a bigger fan base. Um, you know, but that's just me. You know, uh, switch, well, switching gears a little bit. Uh, some interesting off season news. Uh, Ted Christopher to drive for Keith Rocco at Thompson. There's a switch, huh? Yeah, that's a that's a that's interesting. It's I, I thought that was great though because a, a lot of people don't really realize there's a, there's a great camaraderie between those two guys. They're fierce with each other on the track, but I think that uh, Teddy driving for Keith at Thompson, I think that's a great move. He's going to be in top notch equipment, um, and it, it gives him a chance to go up there and run. I think they're running seven races up at Thompson this year. Seven. Um, so, so it gives Teddy an opportunity to step in and, and race, uh, you know, and, and stuff that he can win, uh, a car that he can win in. Um, I, I love it. I think it's great. I think uh, you're going to start seeing some more of what Keith Rocco is capable of as far as a person that, you know, can put a race car together and a motor and, and set a race car up. Uh, Teddy's not the only one driving for him. Tom Abley also will be driving a uh, Keith Rocco-owned uh, machine. At the new one, Watford Speedball, from what I've heard. Um, and then uh, Abley is also becoming a car owner. Chris Meyer and Wayne Burroughs are going to drive yep. SK Lights for him. Yep, yep. So uh, it's 
So, Tony Tony Membrino moving up to uh, SKs at the Speed Bowl, Mike. Uh, yep. Uh, Marcelo Rafano moving up to SKs at Thompson. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of lot of lot of moving up, a lot of lot of George Jefferson going on right now. A lot of moving on up. Yeah, Ronnie Williams, who drove for Keith Rocco last year at Thompson, is going to be driving for a new entry, uh, Jensen Racing. Not really a new entry. The Jensens have been around racing a long, long time. Uh, they've recently fielded a uh, MRS car for Jeff Rocco, but uh, huh? but uh, Ronnie Williams will be in that. Then your guy, uh, I know we're kind of bouncing around here, but uh, your guy, Josh Wood, Mike, driving uh, double duty at Stafford. He'll be doing his late model, uh, normal ride there, number 17 for the Peterson family. And also he'll be driving an SK full time for uh, Todd Owen. Yeah, yep. That's going to be awesome to, to see that uh, to see that uh, develop for uh, Officer Josh Wood. He's, uh, he's a talented individual, and I think that uh, that – Teaming up with Todd Owen is a, is a great idea. Now, the tour, uh, modified tour, everybody knows about all the changes there uh, with the schedule and some of the teams. Uh, Donnie Leo will be running part-time for Tommy Baldwin Racing. Uh, Chase Dowling will be driving part-time for Rob Fuller Racing. Todd Zegedy back full-time in the Stewart 85. And Ryan Priest back full-time in the Partridge 6, Mike uh, those are two pretty, uh, pretty uh, accomplished drivers coming back full time to the tour. Yeah, and what wound up happening with uh, with Priest uh, in the Xfinity? Is he all done with that? I believe he uh, he resigned from that ride. Uh, that's what I read, anyways. Yeah, I haven't really I haven't really read too much on that. I wasn't really sure uh, as to what was going on with that. I haven't, um, what's going on with, uh, what's going on with, uh, the Mystic Missile? Have they released anything yet, or are they waiting until, uh, well, <laughs> March 17th? <laughs> well, from what the, the rumor going around is, you know, which, you know, take it for what it's worth, that they might actually finally be, uh, calling it quits as far as the Whalen Modified Tour is concerned, and maybe racing in general. I, I really don't want to speak on something I don't know as fact, but... That's the rumor that's going around is that the four might be finally packing it in. Huh. That'd be a shame. That's a historical ride right there. No, without a doubt. And then of course, uh, you know, you got all the indoor stuff that ran uh you know, ran over the winter to keep everybody going and seems like the new uh new thing if you're a modified competitor is to have a TQ too. Uh you look down the finishing order of those TQ races and uh it's uh, like a modified who's who, you know. Right. I saw. I saw. I was at a dinner uh, Saturday night at the Texas Roadhouse down in New London, and I ran into uh, uh, Nick Latiga. You know, you know that kid. Yes. And uh, he's looking forward. I guess they got a they got a race at the Bowl this year, so he's looking forward to that. He's a TQ guy and a mod guy. Yep. Yep. Oh, our first uh, guest of the evening's on the line. Matt Buckler, welcome to the show, Matt. Well, Glenn, I'm glad uh, to be on the other end for a change. I yeah. usually have your job. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, we, me and Mike were talking off air before the show, and I'm like, I wonder if Matt's ever actually been a guest on somebody's show, you, you know? Well, this is one of the few times, so uh, I'm glad to let you guys do all the work for a change. 
<laughs> well, an off-season chock full of news, uh, indoor racing and uh, all the changes and people moving up and getting out and all the other crazy stuff going on. Yourself, you were busy as usual emceeing banquets and doing all the uh, stuff you do during the off-season. Most recently, you did the uh, New London Waterford Speedball Banquet. What are some of your uh, the biggest stories from your perspective of the off-season so far? I think uh, one of the biggest stories, Woody Pit Cat, taking over the ride of uh, the 46 of Jeff Goodale. I think he will be able to make that car a contender uh, right from the opening timeout. And uh, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I think that uh, Woody Pitcat will do the same thing to the 46 that he did a couple of years ago with the Buzz 288. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that was, uh, you know, when we saw that come across that uh, he would be in that car. I mean, it's top-notch equipment. We know Woody can get the job done. So, yeah, it'll definitely be a team to watch, Matt. Yeah, and, uh, of course, everybody wants to know how the tour will work out with the Southern and uh, Northern Tours combined, and I don't think it'll change that much, but it'll be interesting to to see how it uh, plays out. Uh, with 18 races this year, uh, maybe it will be less of an uh, of an influence on the t- you know to win the tour. Now you have to be good at Stafford and Thompson, and maybe with 18 races, uh, the thing uh, the game plan will change a little bit. Yeah, you know, and, and some new tracks added in that people have no uh, notes to go off of and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it, it'll definitely mix it up. And, as you know, I'm sure there's some Southern competitors that are going to uh, influx in, you know, like George Bernholzel and Andy Seuss, who we're going to have on later in the show. You know, and they're no, uh, they're, they're no slouches, those guys, or their teams. Yeah, I'm looking forward to find out what he is going to be doing. So that'll be a very interesting part of your show to listen to, to see what his uh, 2017 plans are. And I guess Ryan Priest is coming back uh, uh, for Eddie Partridge. So that is a big factor. Uh, Around in November, every time you uh, got online to look at a racing story, it was somebody who was leaving the tour. And... uh, but now, uh, a couple months later, I think everybody's pumped up again. Yeah, it definitely flipped uh, flipped to the other side of the coin as far as that. Now, uh, the New London Waterford Speedball Banquet was uh, a few Saturdays ago. Keith Rocco crowned uh, SK and late model champion again. Al Stone the third, uh, Street Stock, Wayne Burroughs, Mini, Tony Membrino, that uh, incredible season he had, SK Light champion. Kyle Rogers was the legend champion. Tom Fox named as the new race director. Just uh, all your thoughts on on that. Uh, are you doing this off the top of your head, or do you have this stuff written down? Are you cheating? I write it down. I'll admit it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Tom Fox, you know he's a he's a proven commodity, and the reason that the drivers respect Tom Fox is because he's done it. He spent the money. He's gone through what those guys have done. So uh, I think he automatically earns respect because of his background competing in the modifieds and the late models in the same season at the Speed Bowl. There's a guy that everybody trusts. So I think that's uh, positive. You know, some interesting news to come out of the banquet, that Tony Membrino is going to be making the move up from the SK Lights to the SKs. 
That'll be interesting. You know, we tried to jump to the SKs before at Stafford and wasn't very successful and went back to the SK lights. Maybe at the Speed Bowl, things will be different. And I got a little tidbit of listening to your show a, a little while ago. Nick Latiga, underrated driver. I think he will have a pretty good impact on the SKs at uh, Waterford. I think that is a pretty big story. And I yeah, learned I it by him. listening to your show. Yeah, I saw him. Uh, I saw him Saturday night when I was. Uh, I had dinner with uh, my friend Keith Scalia and his wife, and I and I ran into uh, Kendall Metcalf and Nick, and we were kind of talking a little bit. And I guess he's going to run the run the TQ at the Speed Bowl, and uh, and the modified will be out uh, for a few shows. Uh, not sure how many. You know, Nick likes to hold his his cards close to him. He doesn't like to reveal his hand to anybody. Uh, he's a great guy. I love his dad. I think his dad is one of the funniest dudes uh, to talk to. Going, he's very honest. Um, Matt, I gotta ask you um, uh, uh, how how uh, how do you like your new Nick your new uh, nickname as the Savage Matt Buckler, the Savage. You know, when uh, you told me what it meant, I'm very proud of it. <laughs> I don't. I know I don't live up to it, but I, I'm uh, very proud of it, especially after I saw what it said in the Urban Dictionary. Oh, I tell you, so, I was I, I was reading I was reading some stuff. I I didn't go to the banquet. This is the second year in a row I haven't gone. Um, I will say that I did hear uh, that the banquet uh, went very well. That you did a phenomenal job as always, uh, hosting the banquet, emceeing. Uh, Heidi McDonough, hats off to Heidi, and Julie Windsor, and Lisa Vogelsong, and Chris Austell, and Scott Gregory. Um, three to, uh, three nights uh, worth of competitors. Uh, Friday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, I heard I, I heard nothing but good things. Uh, haven't seen any pictures on the Speed Bowl Facebook page yet, but uh, everybody else has put up pictures, so I got to see those. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the Speed Bowl banquet this year? I would say an 8, because I know uh, Glenn would agree with me when we saw all the trophies and they would all have to be handed out. I figured we would be lucky if we finished it by last call. And uh, when we started the video... It was 10 o'clock, so I said, this is a victory, because there have been some banquets with just six divisions that didn't finish at 10 o'clock. So everything moved smoothly. The champions were on top of the game with their speeches, and I think it was kind of neat. You know, a Bandolero champion, uh, Charles Prince, a talent, at the end, getting his picture taken side-by-side side with Keith Rocco and Al Stone and Wayne Burroughs. I think that was a pretty good touch of the banquet. Uh, merging the Thursday night guys and the uh, Saturday night guys, plus the news of Tom Fox and Bill Roberts taking over on uh, now Wacky Wednesday is uh, that is reborn. I think it was a pretty eventful night. And then of and course we... on uh, then on Saturday we were at the uh, Soup Savardi benefit, uh, and I think that was good. And I'm going to throw this idea out to you. Uh, Mike, and see what you think of it. That uh, next year, the Sportsmanship Award for the Mini Stock Division should be named the Soup Savardi Sportsmanship Award. 
to the mini stock driver, I think to to pay tribute to one of the good guys. I I think that's a great idea, and I, I think that they should uh, give the trophy uh, or the plaque, but on the trophy or the plaque should be a picture of an Alfa Romeo, because that was <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's the Supsavardi trademark car to the point where he did so well in it, they actually outlawed it from being a, a, a mini stock. Uh, so uh, the Alfa Romeo, I actually was at, actually, I, it was, you were there Saturday. What a great turnout for a great guy. I, I, there were so many people there. Uh, I was I was so happy when I walked in and saw the turnout for that benefit. A uh, hell of a job by Ray Christian uh, Jr., uh, Ray Christian III's dad, obviously. Uh, Kathy Savardi, um, I, I don't know exactly how many other people were involved in planning this event. I do know that Kathy and... And Ray and, uh, and and RC3 and uh, you know Soup's kids were there. It was, it was a great time. I, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, they raised eight thousand dollars, which was uh, pretty amazing uh, for a one day thing there. So I guess uh, when you uh, drive an Alfa Romeo, it means you must be an Alpha dog, and that That's is right. You're, <laughs> you're the Alpha male, and and he is the official mayor of Alcohol Alley, which is not to be taken lightly because that's a, that's a position that gets voted on every week. So to hold the mayor of Alcohol Alley title for that long, uh, you know, that's a, that's a long run right there. That's, uh, he's doing pretty good. You know, they can have new fencing, new bleachers, new concession stands, but Alcohol Alley will always remain the same. That's it. Can't get rid of that. So let me ask you one more question. I'm going to turn you back over to Glenn, but I, I got to ask it. I'm going to put you. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, it's a two-part question. Will you be back as announcer of the New England Waterford Speed Bowl for the 2017 season? And who would you like to be working for as a general manager if you had the choice to pick? Okay, the answer to the first part is easy. I talked to Tom Fox last week, and he asked me if I wanted to come back, and I, uh, of course, said yes. So that part is easy. Second part, about a general manager, who would I like to uh, work with? How about Bill Belichick? Do you yeah. think he has time in the, in the uh, off season to, to, you know, after football is over? Do you think he, he can might. run the bowl? You know, from Super Bowl, from Super Bowl to Speed Bowl, I think that would be a, a great transition. Notice how I dodged uh, answering your question there. Uh, I figured you would. I figured you would. So, no, I don't. I don't even know. Uh, now they 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 have. Uh, you know, Heidi McDonough is going to be administrative assistant. I don't know know what uh, the plans are, what the structure is going to be, but uh, judging by what happened at the banquet things look to be pretty organized. So uh, switching gears a little bit, Matt, uh, your other home on uh, Friday nights during the season, Stafford Motor Speedway, um, drivers moving up divisions, drivers running double duty in two different divisions, uh, changes to the schedule, the MTS being added to the schedule. What, what's your thoughts on uh, Stafford for 2017? Well, uh, things have changed a little. There will only be three tour races, and uh, the modified tour is getting two spots. I think the big change uh, at Stafford 
Woody Pitcat, from what I uh, learned, is in uh, planning on racing there uh, this year, at least in the modified division on a regular basis. And uh, Woody's been a regular in uh, one division or another since the early 90s. So that would be a pretty significant uh, change. You know, I think uh, two questions. Can Ronnie Williams bounce back from his subpar 2016 season and be uh, the guy he was in 2015 when everyone thought that uh, he was going to be one of the up-and-coming national stars? And the other, you know, Roland Pennick, can he continue his hot pace and is anybody out there to challenge him? And I'm going to make a prediction, uh, Glenn, if he comes back, Matt Galco will get that first win this year. Yeah, he'll definitely come close. And uh, I think he is such a determined guy that uh, I would say before the 2017 season over is over, he'll have at least one win and probably more. Yeah, he'll definitely be running full-time at Stafford this year, SK. I know that. And uh, he'll be also... Run, attempting to run full-time at the New London Waterford Speed Bowl with the uh, 25 Envy Motorsports car. Um, they're going to just kind of take it week by week and see how it goes. If they run all the shows, great. If not, they have to take a little breather here and there. That, that'll that be fine, too. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, be an uptick in the amount of races you'll see Matty Ice running this year. And Ted Christopher, he uh, had a, a 2016 season that really – wasn't up to his standards. What will he do next year? I have a feeling we're going to see the old TC. Now, Matt, what's your thoughts on this MTS, this modified touring series, being added to the schedule at Stafford? Did it uh, did it kind of shock you to see them added to the schedule at uh, Stafford? Yeah, it did. Because look how many years that the Valente series was in existence before it ran at Stafford. You know, it was almost in its uh, eighth or ninth year before it got a, a Stafford date. And now the uh, Modified Touring Series, in its first year, is going to have a couple of races, not just at uh, at Stafford, but every track in Connecticut. So, uh, obviously, uh, they're, uh, they, they plan on delivering the drivers. And you know what is a Touring Series has to do? If the drivers come... The interest will be there, and the fans will be there. So um, the car count, that is a big thing. And uh, will they deliver it in the first year? Obviously, they think they will, or that Stafford wouldn't have added him to the schedule. All right, Matt. Uh, get hate to have to ask you this question, unfortunately. but uh, Oh, I'm going to hate to answer it then. No, no, it's... it's uh, you being a member of the media for many, many years, I'm sure you've had plenty of interactions with uh, Howie Hodge. Uh, his unfortunate uh, and timely passing this weekend. Uh, what's what's your thoughts on, on Howie's uh, life and career? I still have a hard time believing it because I started at the uh, covering the racing in 1980. And one of the first stories that I did, it was a story for the Pit Stopper program on the photographers at Stafford. And there was Howie Hodge at the time, uh, Mike Adescavage, uh, Dave Party. They were a team. And I've known Howie for a long time. And uh, 
it just is sad because he was more than a photographer. He was a guy that everybody uh, confided in. He would help everybody, uh, you know, talk about, you know, I made this comment uh, Saturday about Sue Savardi. He wouldn't just give you the shirt off his back. He would give you pants, the shoes, the socks, and any picture he had that you wanted. And uh, he's just had a funny guy. He was just uh, funny, and Howie Hodge was everywhere. Where Aver was, a, you knew it was a big race when you saw Howie Hodge there. And he never, you know, sometimes, and you can ask Mike this, when uh, you conduct a victory lane, sometimes photographers could be a pain, what they want. Howie Hodge, he was just the greatest because he was, you know, for a guy who, for, for somebody whose photography was a hobby, he was the most professional uh, of any photographer that I ever met in racing. Yeah, without This a, is a big loss. Without a doubt. I was saying to Mike earlier, it's just unbelievable, you know, looking at social media and just talking to people. I mean, you know, I, I knew he was, you know, very well known, you know, amongst the community and stuff like that, racing community. But just the, it seems like everyone had a story, you know what I mean, that where he either changed their life maybe or, you know, at least helped them out when they were down or or, or just even changed their outlook about how they looked at things, you know. It's just incredible how many people he, uh, he touched. And uh, there was one night here at the Journal Inquirer, the newspaper I work in Manchester, and how he was from Manchester. It was election night. Somebody called in sick. Who did we call? Howie Hodge. He came in and he shot election night photos. Never did it before, but it turned out he knew exactly what he was doing. So he was just, he would help anybody out. If you needed a favor, uh, there there was uh, the guy. And if you looked on Facebook, you saw, you know, Sean Corshane, Doug Colby, such eloquent uh, tributes and salutes to Howie Hodge. I think that says it right there. Uh, by the reaction of the people when they found out how special Howie Hodge was. Oh, definitely, Matt. Well said. All right, Matt. Well, we really thank you for coming on tonight. And uh, Well, I enjoyed it. It's a lot easier when all you have to do is answer <laughs> the question instead of, instead of think them up. Yeah, I was going to ask you how your first experience was on the other end of the, on the, other end of the mic. But, uh, yeah, I know, you know, it's a lot of different, I mean, you know, Mike Sirluca actually doing his homework, and uh, when he goes to the Roadhouse, actually getting information, I'd like to think maybe my influence is paying off. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning, I'm learning as I go still, but I got a good mentor. Okay, well, uh, well, thank you for having me. Okay, Matt, once again, thank you very much for coming on, we really appreciate it, and uh, enjoy the rest of your off season, and we can't wait to see it. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks, Matt. Okay, we'll see you, Mike. All right. Okay, Mike, well, our second guest of the evening, race director at the New London Waterford Speed Bowl, Tom Fox is on. Welcome to the show, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. All right. You were announced as the race director recently at the uh, New London Waterford Speed Bowl banquet. Uh, can you just take us through the process of you being selected for that position and your decision to uh, accept it? Sure. Uh, 
when Bruce uh, Bruce Beamer uh, bought the racetrack uh, a couple of years back, I interviewed with him. Uh, it wasn't really a good time for me to go to work for him, uh, but we kept in touch for the last couple of years. And uh, again, when uh, the season ended and there was a bunch of openings there, uh, you know, we we talked to each other quite a bit, and we put a deal together about a month ago for me to come down there and work as the race director, and we made the announcement at the banquet uh, last weekend. Now you uh, you decided to take the position. Uh, for, uh, was there other candidates in you know in the process, or was, was you pretty much Bruce's guy? No, I, I believe uh, I believe there were uh, you know a couple of guys uh, being interviewed for the, for that job, and also for the uh, the general manager position, which uh, they're still looking to get a. You know what they refer to as a qualified candidate uh, to, to fill that in, and for now Scott Gregory is doing a, a good job. As I did mention, Heidi McDonough uh, is working as well. Uh, they, you know they're doing a good job of keeping the place up and running and getting the forms and the rules out and all that. But uh, I, I believe there were several people uh, names being thrown around. I don't know if they actually had interviews or not. But, uh, I you know I kept in touch with Bruce and uh, I took care of what I needed to do on my end. Now, this season's schedule at the uh, the London Waterford Speedball is somewhat reminiscent of uh, the past, with racing stretching all the way into October on a a weekly basis on Saturdays. Uh, The return of the mid-season extra distance races, um, some other changes with the SK Lights racing weekly, and the late models now going to a bi-weekly schedule. Um, For the listeners, can you discuss uh, what went into some of those uh, changes? Actually, the uh, the schedule was pretty much designed before I came on board. Um, I think that they just looked at what worked for them in the past. Obviously, there was we had many successful seasons running this style of schedule. Um, you know, the, the tour is back. BMRS uh, has uh, has the date. The wings and wheels, you know, is back again. Thousand night, not touring series is going to get a an event there as well. Tri track is back, and you know, a lot of it is uh, is. Is what we've done the last is what they've done the last couple of years, and and certainly the uh, the overall format, as you mentioned, you know, looks like the schedule from yesteryear. So, uh, I, I think it's good. Most people who run the bowl are interested in racing and racing a lot. That's that's what they do there. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, uh, as far as the SK lights running weekly and the late models going to a bi-weekly schedule, do you think that's uh, something that needed to be done? Well, I, I think the interest in the SK lights, uh, you know, has been steadily increasing. The car count is uh, is good there um, for the SK lights, and, and I don't think they were getting the car count that they would have liked in the late model. So it was probably a pretty easy business decision on their part. I, again, I didn't have to make it, so I'm thankful for that. But uh, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me based upon what I saw last year. The schedule that they produced doesn't surprise me at all. Now, looking from the outside in uh, last year, are there any changes that jump right out at you that you you will look to do different this year with your position at Speedball? Uh, no, I, I uh, you know obviously my my job is to put a uh, safe and competitive uh, and fair event on for our customers, which are the racers. Um, you know, it'll it'll be the job of uh, 
the general manager and the and the other staff there to take care of the fans and the grandstands and that aspect of it. I don't know what goes into uh, making that whole deal pick. I'm, I'm thankful that people are in place to do that kind of stuff. But from a from a, a competition point of view, I'm going to keep the pace going. Uh, I'm going to you know create the expectation that I'd like to see for the racers to race, and I'm going to inspect that expectation on a on a regular basis. Just try you know try to make it fair. Put racing in the hand of the racers and. and outline what, what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do, and hopefully it puts on a good show for everybody. Hey, Tommy, Mike Saluka, how you doing? Hey, Mike, how are you? Oh, I'm awesome. Home, hanging out, you know, thinking about racing. Uh, yeah. Congratulations, first and foremost. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, awesome that you're going to be coming back to uh, your home track as the race director, I know you do it up at Stafford, and uh, really excited to uh, to see you come back to the bowl. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, just I appreciate yeah. that. Oh no, I, I do that. You're 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 a good guy, man. I, I I think you're great. And anytime anybody has something else to say about it, I I, I tell them to shut their mouth before I shut it for them. So if you ever <laughs> need me fired the muscles, I work for ice cream cones and a sleeve of golf balls because I lose a lot of those whenever I go out. So, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so um, I, I looked at the schedule, and it, it looks great. Uh, you guys got a, a pretty good uh, deal going on down there this year. And uh, I talked to Scott a couple times, and uh, things seemed to be moving in the right direction. And uh, you guys went back to Wednesday nights with a lot of Wacky Wednesday with uh, Billy Robert at the at the helm of that, uh, which is which is a great uh, a great choice. Um, how exciting is it? to, uh, number one, be back at the New Orleans Waterford Speed Bowl, and um, are there any big changes that you can talk about that might be in store? Well, I, you know, the excitement level is, is phenomenal. It is, it is my home track. It's uh, where I spent my youth and uh, my adult youth as well. Uh, you know, spent a lot of hours there, spent a lot of money there. I love the place. So going back, it's kind of like putting the band back together. I was talking to Webby and a couple of the guys that have been there throughout all the years that I've been there and it's fun it's kind of kind of a homecoming for me I, I still do my Stafford deal on a Friday that's a great facility as well but it'll be nice to be in my backyard on Saturdays uh, doing this deal uh, exciting about Billy Roberts too he's, a, he's a, a great man he's been around the racetrack forever and he's going to be a perfect a perfect fit for the Wednesday crowd I, I think that, that uh, that's going to get rejuvenated that whole Wednesday program is going to come to life under his, uh, his guidance Is, uh, and I, I understand uh, Webby's going to be back on the four-wheeler, uh, firing around the infield and, and uh, putting out the fires in the back, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Webby's uh, Webby's on board. He's uh, you know he's going to be the go-to guy for uh, anything that happens uh, inside of the walls there. Uh, most of the people are returning. They got a, they got a real strong tech staff there. I'm happy for that. Uh, a lot of the people that work in the tower and around the gates and various uh, places work with me on Friday nights as well. So I got a good comfort factor with uh, with most of the people that are there. Not too many changes happening in the employee roster. Um, definitely looking forward to it. You mentioned the schedule is, is pretty packed full. That's always exciting. Uh, I'd like to see all the different divisions come in there. And, you know, people love modified that's for sure. So we've been a whole slew of them throughout the season, different divisions. Yeah, and I, I definitely think the situation that you're walking uh, coming into this year, uh, it's not one of those situations where somebody can sit there and say, oh, you know, 
Tom Fox has his work cut out for him. So I really don't think uh, that you you have your work cut out for you. I think um, I think with you coming in with what you bring to the table and, and, and your style of, of doing business and the respect factor and the fact that you've got you know uh, many laps there, uh, you pretty much know what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Uh, I feel personally that you know a lot of the competitors there. Um, on, a, on a very good level, some of them that you probably don't know, you'll get to know. Um, is there any concerns for you coming in this season? You got any major concerns, or just business as usual? I, I don't. I think uh, I think things went well last year. You know, uh, from a from a fan perspective, I thought the, the, I said it all summer long. I thought the uh, the car count was decent. You know, uh, particularly in the in the higher division, the S the S days were phenomenal. The SK lights were were, were really good. Uh, the competition level there is great. Two group racing, uh, all that stuff went well last year. Uh, you know the, the various race directors you had. There was a good show each and every time, no matter who was at the helm. That's a testament to, to what kind of program, what kind of foundation the place has, regardless of the people that you stick in there. Um, so, so it is. It is pretty easy for me to step in this year as compared to 2009. You know, rolling in there when when it was bleak. Bruce did a great job last year and the year before. Uh, you know, I expect to, to go in there and, and blend in with a lot of the regular officials. I'm not going to go in there and turn the place upside down, but, uh, you know, certainly got to refine some of the things, the communication, uh, you know, the, the organizational tree, you know, can, you know, put some, put some safeguards in place, put some, uh, some checks and balances in place to make, make the place really legit, you know, from the competitor's point of view. That's what I hope to do there as well. And I think, uh, this will be, a a breath of fresh air for you because uh, I, I will not be returning to spotting full-time this year, so you won't have to worry about some crazy lunatic jumping up and down in the spotter's box anymore every weekend because I'm not sure if I'm going to be yeah. here every weekend, but uh, I think your yep. toughest task is going to be keeping that guy that hands the trophies out under control because he can be a wild man at times. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a tough guy. I got 53 years under my belt of uh, trying to tame him, and it's been unsuccessful so far. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, switching gears a little bit, Tom, uh, you're returning to Stafford as the competition director. Um, some changes there with um, the schedule slightly, some competitors doing double duty, some competitors leaving, some competitors moving up divisions, uh, the MTS series uh, running at Stafford for the first time. Just uh, how, how much are you looking forward to uh, this season there, and what can we expect? Yeah, looking forward to, to Stafford as well. Uh, partway through the year last year, I was uh, successful in getting Scott Tapley to come uh, be in the tower and be the race director there to allow me to put some of my focus and my efforts on uh, working in the pit area, working with the competitors, working with the tech side of things. Um, looking forward to going back and doing that again this year. Going to spend more time down there and try to help refine the, the, the process of tech. And again, the the, uh, the interface customer uh Dealing with the customers, you know, they need to be happy. You still need to do your job, but at the end of the day, they need to be happy. And hopefully I can make some, some changes in that department as well, you know, try to try to just uh, be more open about what we're doing and have more communication. That's important. Getting to the competition side, you know, the VMRS comes back. Uh, Dunleavy has that huge uh, modified night going on on May 26th. That's kind of cool, uh, putting some love to the SK Light division, which puts on a great great show up there. The NTS, as you mentioned, is coming. The Super Mods are back uh, first time in a while. Uh, got our, the annual SK 5K run. 
you know, looking forward to all that stuff. All you know, that, that's that's been out for a while. The thing that's cool that you you touched on is the driver changes going on, people moving up, uh, people doing double duty. You talked about Josh Wood earlier. Uh, all, all the cars that Todd Owens building and, and his fleet, all the people that he's got kind of under his tutelage there is, is insane. Um, you know, it, the, the competition side is always fun, and it's always cool to, to look at that stuff going through the winter, looking at what people are posting, what they're building, that kind of stuff. So car count uh, is high uh, for Stafford. I'm happy about that. I haven't checked in with Waterford yet, but I know that the interest around Stafford is high once again across the board, so I'm happy with that program as well. Now, this is kind of a, a double-headed question, I guess, for both racetracks. Um, it's been announced that uh, a new right rear compound will be run in the SK and SK Light divisions this season. Uh, 450, I believe, is the compound number. That's a significant yep. change from the uh, 45 that's been run in the past few years. Can you uh, talk about uh, that decision to make that switch and, uh, and what went into it? Yeah, well, two years ago, we ran a, uh, a soft, uh, relatively soft compound, and the competition we bought uh, two seasons ago was phenomenal. We went to the uh, a slightly different tire uh, last summer in 2016. We, we based it on tire wear and a couple of other factors, you know, that also gave us the same compound as Waterford to make it easier for competitors to come back and forth without having such a big tire bill. But, you know, we thought the competition was a little bit less last year than it was the year before. So, it, you know, it makes sense for us from our fans' point of view to, to try and move that back again, you know, put a soft tire back on the car. Um, you know, it, it's all a crapshoot. You never know how it's going to go, and you never really can quantify why cars look better this year than they did last year. It's tough. You know, the competition level changes every year. It changes a little bit. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes you have 10 cars that, that can run the top or the bottom. Sometimes you have two. Hard to really pinpoint all that stuff, but one of the basic changes that we made was the tire compound. So we're going back to that other one uh, to see if it can uh, give it just a little bit more of a boost. Now, there's, um, you know, we don't usually like to get into rumors too much, but the, there's a lot of rumors going around that uh, everybody that tested the tire is extremely happy with it. Um, it repeats and uh, also, I guess, uh, basically a scenario was done where the tire had a night's worth of racing on it, sat, and then was run again the next week in a test, and it was just as good as, as if it was a sticker almost? Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the feedback that we got, but i, I got to be honest with you, I've done a lot of tire testing myself in a couple of different divisions that I've been at, many other tire tests, and you keep putting tires on any driver's race car, and they get out smiling each and every time because they love it. They take the day off of work. They get to bring their race car to the racetrack. They get to run new tires over and over and over again. Of course, it feels great to them. So I, I rarely see negative feedback from a tire test. I'm trying to be a little bit funny, but it's the truth. You know, anytime you have a tire test, the drivers love it. So it, sometimes it's hard to, to really understand what you're hearing from them. But, you know, the, the tire didn't repeat well, but so did the tire that we tested for last year. So, again, you know, it'll prove itself out through the course of the season and hopefully we made the right choice. Now, also, um, look, just looking through the rules quickly, um, there's a few changes, um, especially in the modified division. Uh, basically, in a nutshell, I guess um, they're you're trying to crack down on coil binding going on. Yeah, we we kind of took uh, we follow whatever the tour 
dictates for the most part, and then uh, we make changes for whatever has to suit our style of racing with a different engine and a different tire and that kind of stuff, and certainly looking at the budget-wise uh, of the teams and what we want to, you know, what we want people to be able to spend. It makes sense to try and uh, keep uh, any type of suspension buying, travel limiting, coil bind, you know, running down the bump stops. It makes sense to, to really limit that. It's free to weld something on your car, to, you know, to try and make the thing have a travel limiter, but it's not free to test it over and over again and keep buying shocks and springs and sway bars until you refine that car so it's going the best that it can go. Not everybody has the ability to do that. People have the ability to modify their cars, but they don't have the ability to put more time and money into it, particularly the money aspect for parts, to test what they're doing. So it makes sense on a local level. Across the board, uh, you know, it makes sense to, to put those types of stop gaps in place and then, you know, do, do the inspection process during the year. All right, Tom. Well, uh, we really appreciate you coming on tonight and uh, being thorough and going over everything with us here and uh, for the listeners and the competitors and everybody involved. And uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your off season, and uh, we can't wait to see you when the season starts. Yeah, well, thanks. I appreciate all that, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Let me talk about my passion of uh, racing. And uh, again, I'm looking forward to both deals. My Friday night at Stafford Speedway. Uh, they start April 29th and, and 30th, and they run, you know, right through September 30th, and then back at the Speed Bowl again, May 5th practice, May 6th and 7th, the blast off, and goes right to the October 20th through the 22nd Beamers Big Show. So it's going to be a good summer for me. All right, Tom. Well, once again, thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks. All right, Mike. Uh, Tom Fox, uh, new race director at uh, the New London Waterford Speed Bowl um, this season and uh, competition director again at Stafford returning. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> hold on one sec. There's some type. Hold on. We're having some sort oh. of technical difficulty, uh, some sort of background noise. We thought it might have been the guest's uh, connection, but now we're finding out it's, it's something here. Um, but go ahead. I wonder if anyone else could hear that. It sounds like a carousel. It's funny. Um, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Tell me this. Ask me again because I was distracted by the circumstances. Just your thoughts on uh, Tom Fox being the race director at the Speedboat oh, this year and returning to Stafford as the competition director i will be i'll tell me to be honest with you right now i will be probably going to stafford five or six times this year and i haven't been in three years just because i want to switch it up and uh check out stafford so i've never had the opportunity to see a, a, a stafford run program with tom fox um i i have a lot of respect for tom fox i think he's a great dude um and and you can go back Last year we had him on the show, and, and you can go back uh, to any other shows that I've been on where, where Tom Fox has been a topic of conversation. Um, I, I, I watched him growing up as a racer, um, and, and uh, I was a big Tom Fox fan and uh, got to know him uh, before I started working at the Speed Bowl a couple of years before that. And we have the ongoing joke of playing golf, and we, we've never actually gotten together to play golf, but uh, hopefully in the near future we will. Um, I think that uh, Tom coming down to the Speed Bowl as the race director is is going to uh, 
is going to be uh, great for everybody, fans, uh, competitors, uh, staff. I just think it's going to be a, a, a perfect situation. Um, very pleased to find out Eric Webster will be returning uh, back on, on the quad and in the infield. Um, not slighting him at all as a race director from last year. I think he uh, did something, tried it out, got to see what it's like up there. Uh, I know he missed being in that position down the track uh, halfway through last season, so it's good to see him back. I think the team of um, Billy Roberts on Wednesday, Tom Fox on Saturday, uh, Eric Webster on both nights uh, down in the infield there, uh, the pit stewards coming back, uh, Chris Allstill. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a good situation uh, down there. I hope they get the car counts um, that they had. You know, uh, it looked like you know, people were starting to show up, starting to race. Uh, I, I, think that, uh, I think that Tom Fox is a welcome addition to the, to the Speed Bowl. He's family down there. Uh, like he said, it's his home track. He's won a lot of races down there. Uh, very talented, very knowledgeable. So I think it's a, it's a great choice, a great fit. And uh, I wish him the best of luck. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, he's been there before in that position. Um, you know, so like you said, not like he's unfamiliar with a lot of the faces and facets of uh, how things need to be run over there. So, uh, so it should be a, a good situation all around. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be great. Well, our, our little... Uh, background noise that we had annoying everybody for the past 20 minutes uh seems to have um seems to have went away mike i thought tommy fox was playing nintendo i was not gonna lie to you i thought i thought maybe he was playing virtual virtual baseball or virtual golf on nintendo i i, I thought it was because it happened it started like right when he called in but who knows we have technical difficulties it's the first show of the season we're not perfect i mean you know we yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know if you can hear in the background my kids yelling and screaming. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. No, that, uh, that was strange. I mean, I, I mean, like you said, I thought it was maybe the guest, and then you know he, it wasn't him, and then we were checking uh, you and checking me, and well, whatever it was, it went away. So that's a good thing. Hopefully, it's no. Just, I texted. I texted Booker, and I sent him a message because I thought maybe he didn't hang up. And uh, being at the Journal Enquirer, maybe that's their, their when you put somebody on hold. I can't believe that that'd be their hold music. Though. I mean, that's crazy. I'd be jumping off bridges if I had to listen to that on that. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, you it's know, gonna it's, be an, it's gonna be an interesting season down to Moana Waterford Speed Bowl this year. Um, I, I know, I know, we don't really talk. We're not really talking too much about Thompson and, and Stafford because because Thompson's already put their schedule out. They're doing seven races. People were in a little bit of an uproar about that and changing rules uh, for some of the divisions up there and. Uh, only for seven races. Uh, you know, Stafford's been around forever, so they're they're pretty much you know transitioning. And the Speed Bowl is going to be under its third year of Bruce Beamer ownership. Its first year without Sean Monahan at the helm. Uh, Olivia Bouchard is gone. Um, you know, still some of the people that make it click behind the scenes uh, as far as race department goes. You know, you're still going to have Linda Corliss. You're still going to have Julie Windsor. Uh, as we heard, Matt Duffer will be back, uh, the voice of the Speed Bowl, probably Dave Baraball, probably John Gates. Uh, sounds like the tech staff in the back is coming back. Uh, Scott Gregory, um, uh, I get the impression uh, Scott Gregory is a guy that is a, a numbers guy. 
and he seems very comfortable in running the business aspect of it. And he does a great job uh, of, uh, you know, managing the money and making sure the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Uh, I don't know that he would want to be in the limelight as a promoter. Um, I've talked to him a couple times. I think he, I think he's a good dude. I think he's uh, great for his people. Um, Heidi McDonough, as we know, administrative assistant. I don't really know what that title entails. Um, but she's another one who's very dedicated to the London Waterford Speed Bowl, has been for years, uh, part of race dog photography for the longest time, pulling the wagon around, uh, you know, selling the pictures, always smiling. Uh, Heidi's creation, she's a sponsor of Nicholas Savisa Bandolero, um, and, 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 you know, Lisa Vogelsong coming back to do the birthday parties and the social media. She's doing some of that. I think they have all the pieces to uh, to have a successful third season because this is going to, you know, the sophomore slump was last year. Um, it just baffles me that they don't have somebody as a, a face to the place as, like, the promoter. Like, like you know, when Terry Eames was there, Terry Eames was the owner, Terry Eames was the general manager, Terry Eames was the promoter. And Terry Eames was a great promoter. Terry Eames was terrible with money, and he'll be the first one to tell you that, but he was a great promoter. Um, I don't know if the Speed Bowl should take the approach as to you have a Heidi McDonough controlling uh, what she does, uh, planning stuff behind the scenes, planning stuff on Front Street, got at least a Vogel song work with her. Sky handles the numbers, but she got maybe they want to bring the third element of a promoter and have a, a, like a, a three-headed a three-headed team there. You know, uh, might be something to think of. It's it's uh, you know Josh Veneta is the GM at. Uh, and Thompson, and he's the head guy. But maybe the Speed Bowl should, should maybe set the precedent. They got a business manager. He got uh, the administrative assistant. And you bring in a promoter, you know, maybe something to think about. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of, you know, different uh, different ways to look at it. I mean, you could look at other facilities, how they do things, and look at what's good about it and what's bad about it for sure. Now, you bring up uh, Thompson. Um, their schedule this year is – seven events i believe and uh pretty much pretty pretty similar to what it was um in you know the past few years uh the icebreakers very back to the old old way mike very early march uh, 31st and April 1st it's gonna be cold yeah for sure it's gonna, be, it's gonna be a cold one but that's what the icebreaker is up there i mean the same thing with the world series if you go to any one of those events and you think it, you're not going to be cold you're out of your mind it's, but that's what makes it what that's what makes it what it is. That's why they call it the ice breaker. You know, it's not called the sunshine breaker. It's not called the heat breaker. It's the ice breaker. <laughs> they have a limited sportsman uh, extra distance event um, on a Sunday this year in May. Then they have a tour race in, on a Wednesday. Uh, the Bush North um, returns to Thompson Mike on a Saturday night, and I believe that's a Saturday that the, the London Waterford Speed Bowl is off. And then uh, they have a Sunoco 2020 Twin 20 deal for the fans on a Sunday, September 10th. And then, of course, the uh, the world-famous World Series. So uh, not just all a bunch of Wednesdays this year, Mike. Some Sundays thrown in, a Saturday. Pretty uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think it's great that they got a couple Sunday shows going on. 
um, just for the simple fact that, um, you know, it's very tough for, for fans to get out on a Wednesday, um, I think. Um, I know it's tough for me to, to go up there on a Wednesday. Uh, a Sunday is perfect. There's nothing really going on on Sunday afternoons. I don't know how many people want to sit home and watch um, NASCAR on TV anymore now that uh, there's a winner, the first uh, 110 laps, and then the second 110 laps is another winner. And then, oh, by the way, there's somebody that wins the race, and there's a top 10 for two segments. And then uh, the guy that's in 15th is really in third if he finishes first. It's just so confusing now. Um, but I think the Sunday show of the Thompson, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a pleasant uh, transition and, and change for, for the fans because you can now do Friday Stafford, Saturday Speed Bowl, Sunday Thompson without that day in between, you know? So I'm looking forward to it. And then Josh Veneta has done wonderful things up at Thompson. Uh, and I, I think uh, he's pretty, uh, pretty smart guy and pretty savvy guy. And I like what he's done. Yeah, without a doubt. Like you said, uh, there'll be some situations where you can do the old, old school triple header. We used to call it, you know what I mean? Do all three tracks in one weekend. <laughs> Yeah, because it used to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, remember? Oh, I'm going back even more when it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, Friday, Thompson. Saturday, Sunday, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I, was, I don't know. I couldn't even drive back then. I was probably at 12. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, thir- it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. When I was in, when I was in high school, it was Thursday. Thompson ran Thursday. Was, uh, I'm pretty sure they ran Thursday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday was uh, Thompson. Friday was Stafford. Saturday was the Speedball. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Tom Fox had some interesting insight on some of the uh, rule changes and the tires and, uh, you know, what he was looking to looking to do and looking to see uh, this year at both tracks. You know what I mean, Mike? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the experience uh, that he's gained up at Stafford um, is going to – I think the bowl – I mean, I hate to use the terminology, but I, I think the bowl is going to be a cakewalk for Tom um, – He's, as far as I know, and as far as the people I talk to and, and, and the things I hear, um, he's very well liked at the Speed Bowl from, from a lot of people. Um, of course, there's people that are haters, and, and everybody's got haters, because if you don't have haters, you're not doing something right. Uh, but it's usually the same people that, that are the haters on, on things like that. So, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, there's, there's, uh, you're, you're not going to please everybody. And he knows that, and not everybody's going to be your friend, and he knows that. But as long as, as I'm not going to say everybody, but the majority of the people respect you and respect what you're doing, and you're and you're fair, and and in return you respect the competitors, then you'll have success as a race director at the Mona Waterfest people. Probably one of the hardest tracks to be a race director at, in my opinion, is the people because number one, it's a bull ring. You know, there's always three sides to every story, more so than other places, because it's so tight, close racing, two grooves, and you know, there's just there's just divisions there where they bang on each other, and and uh, you know, as, as long as it's consistent, and as long as it's across the board, and as long as as week in and week out, you know, uh, you know things things appear to be even keel, then you're doing your job. Uh, and I think Tom will will be able to uh, be able to handle all that. Yeah, without a doubt. Like you said, a lot a lot of times with that position, 
I've seen in the past, like you said, it's all a respect thing. You know what I mean? Whether it's if you were a former competitor or even if you weren't a former competitor, if you've had success doing it at other tracks like Scott Tapley and people will uh, kind of, I guess, give you a chance. You know what I mean? Where if, if you don't have that instant, at least a little bit of respect from the competitors, you're kind of almost doomed going into it. You know what I mean, Mike? Yeah, and and, and a, a name that I didn't hear, uh, and it's, it's surprising. I don't know why. Um, is is Chris Williams? I don't I don't uh, I don't know if he's involved this year. Is he is he going to be coming back in some aspect? Um, I know. Uh, I, I've talked to Chris, um, you know, a few times, and and uh, depending upon who you talk to, uh, people you know people don't like Chris Williams, and I and and. And uh, he knows that, um, but I think that he's done quite a bit uh, in the last couple of years that I've seen um, behind the scenes that he didn't really get a lot of credit for. Um, he is a very knowledgeable guy. Um, I, I think he he was gaining the respect of a lot of people there um, on on Saturday nights and, and Thursday nights. Um, it's just interesting that that uh, we haven't heard his name brought up in any conversation. So I don't know. Maybe he was offered a position and turned it down, or he hasn't been offered anything, or uh, if if he's going to be under the Sean Monahan umbrella, he was one of his guys. So so he's not even considered for anything. I I, I, I don't I don't know. Um, but I just it's just a name to throw out there. Have you heard anything? Um, no, I haven't really heard anything to that that respect. Um... You know, there was rumors flying around that, you know, right off the bat, Tom Fox was considered for race director. I heard Jeff Zidema's name thrown in there. Um, GM, <laughs> I mean, we've we've talked over the winter, Mike. There was more names thrown around from uh, from people that made absolutely no sense doing the job to to yeah, that wouldn't be a bad pick, you know. Yeah, I I'm I'm actually surprised that. Um uh, of all the talk, um, uh, Ben Dodge, uh, he was a name that was constantly coming up. Um, you know, uh, I, I had heard from a couple different people and I put it on Facebook and, and, uh, you know, about Kyle Ricky, which, you know, whether, whether it's true or not, or whether the rumor was substantiated or not, uh, Kyle says no. Uh, so I, I'll go by what he says. Um, Sean Foster was another one that was uh, I, I really thought would have a his name in the hat. Uh, I know he's uh, in the last couple of years been pretty interested in uh, taking up a management position of some sort uh, at a racetrack. Um, he's a young guy, uh, you know. I don't I don't know if he doesn't have the time or or whatever the deal is, but that was another name that had I'd heard a few times. Uh, of course, you know Terry Eames, his name came up. Uh, in some conversations of different circles of people. Um, you know, I just, I hear so many things because I talk to so many different people and it's, it's, it's interesting. Some of the things that are heard, uh, I'll even throw out the even more to you. I heard, uh, Pastriac, one of the Pastriacs, maybe, maybe Charlie, his name was mentioned by a couple people. Uh, Mike Beebe's name was mentioned by a couple people. Um, you know, it's just all the names that you hear associated with the with the speed bowl. It's just amazing that nobody has been named yet as the GM. 
All right. Well, our third guest of the evening, Andy Seiss, is on. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you for having me. One of the biggest early off-season question marks was the uh, schedule for the unified NASCAR Whale Modified Tour. The schedule has long since been released uh, with the addition of some new events at some different uh, racetracks and some even down south. Uh, but for still the most part, it's mainly a northern-based schedule. Your thoughts on all of that and where does that leave you and your Eddie Harvey owned number 11 team? Well, it leaves us scrambling a little bit with a big question mark on, on our future. You know, uh, had a great opportunity just being offered the Eddie Harvey ride years ago and relocated uh, myself and my family to be part of the team and, and you know, be in the shop more and it paid off with, with two championships down here. Um, but, you know, it does leave me 800 miles away from home uh with a different plan not that i regret the change or the the move or anything like that but definitely uh it's gonna be tough um i don't believe we're gonna be able to run full time you know when you have events in connecticut 800 miles away on a wednesday with a full day schedule so you know you got to be there kind of the night before in our situation and then you know the next day you'll be traveling so it's tough it's uh it's a tough spot to be in, but, you know, sticking and driving for Eddie, whatever we decide to do, we'll probably enter the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour part-time and pick and choose some other local races down here to do. Uh, I'll also run part-time with, with my family, number 70, Rockin' Hand Boat Modified, and uh, on the Wheel and Modified Tour and also some local races with it. But nothing we could put together really to run the whole deal and, you know, with it being a full East Coast traveling tour, it's, it's going to be tough on a lot of people. Now, I know this is kind of a tough question, and, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I guess I, I, I kind of am. Um, do you or anyone that you've spoken to that were former Whale and Southern Modified Tour competitors, do you feel, uh, maybe betrayed is a strong word, but, but disappointed by NASCAR's decision to unify these tours? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I understand their point, uh, to, to a certain point, you know, the car counts were an issue. Um, and that's, that's a hard product to sell to tracks and the sponsors and all that. Um, when we heard news of the meeting, uh, a few car owners got together and, uh, had dinner the night before and, and were talking about, okay, we all kind of assumed it was a, all right, boys, we're struggling. What do we got to do meeting? And obviously we got the news the next day that wasn't the case, uh, that they were unifying the tours and, and it, and it, they are doing some good perks, uh, especially for Southern teams, you know, NASCAR is doing the best they can, but, um, we were hoping maybe for a meeting for them to ask us, what are we going to do to make it more attractive for teams and different things. And, uh, it, it's just a different demographic, you know, the Whalen modified tour in new England, is, in my opinion, the biggest and best racing going on. So you have the biggest teams and along with the biggest budgets going after it. We're down here, the racing's a little bit more spread out, maybe a little more emphasis on stock car racing just with the, the ladder uh, here to, to try to get to the Cup Series or, or things like that. So the money's not the same, and they, couldn't, they can't be treated the same. Um, 
And over those last few years, they, they kind of tried to. Uh, with You know, it, it, obviously the success of the car counts of the Wheel and Modified Tour, the uh, stands being filled, you know, they try to do the same with live pit stops and things like that. But at the end of the day, they just made a, a tour that was struggling to get full field a little bit more expensive and a little bit harder for everybody. So um, would have liked a, a meeting somewhere along the lines of, hey, what do we got to do? to get this deal a little bit better, but unfortunately it was not the case. Uh, Mike, you there? Did you drop out? Oh, looks oh, like- I'm still here. My bad. My bad. I hit the mute button on my phone. On <laughs> Jesus. Okay, go ahead, Mike. I got, I got fat fingers. But, you know, I'm losing weight. But geez, so. <laughs> um, Andy, I, I got to agree with you on, on, uh, on that. I, I don't understand... Um, why why they didn't have a meeting and get some input from the guys that uh, are the attraction. Um, NASCAR is not the attraction. The drivers are the attraction. So I, I feel like you guys should have had somewhat of a say-so, at least at least to, at the end of the day they could sit down and say, all right, you know, we talked to all the, you know, the, most of the teams involved, and, and this is what we came up with. Um, I don't understand 18 races. There's a bulk of them that are up north. Um, I think they should have spread it out a little more. I think they maybe should have done a few less races this season, being the inaugural merger season, and, and, and went from there. I do think the car counts are going to suffer because of the expense. I was just talking to Glenn. He spots for a, a, a tour driver. Um, you know, they didn't really consider a lot of things uh, that the blue-collar person um, attached to this type of racing series uh, will we'll, we'll see financially. And I, I feel like you guys are, are in a rock and a hard place to, to run a full season. And I, I, don't think, I don't think they did it properly. But I do wish everybody the best, and I hope it does pan out into something. I hope they figure it out so it makes it more cost-effective for you guys uh, to race. Uh, that being said, um, are you more excited now that you'll be able to run uh, with, uh, you know, with your local team and, and, and do that um, rather than having the pressure of, you know, running the tour every, every week or every, every show? Well, I, I don't want to sound negative or, or anything that I don't want to run the wheel of modified tour. The truth is deep down inside. I mean, that is one of my life goals. You know, I grew up with, posters on the wall of guys like Mike Stefanik and the Reg and, and idolize those guys. And it's something I want to be a part of. Um, it's just a little bit frustrating. Like you said, when you have a, a team in place and all that, and you're, you can't. Um, and, you know, a lot of people will say, well, how come you don't run your car? Or how come uh, Eddie Harvey doesn't run it more? And the truth is it's not feasible. You just can't. Um, we're a little team that could. Up at home with my parents, um, like I said, with, with our family business, Rockin' Hambo, Dion Holmes, who's been a part of the team and his excavation company for a long time, we do as much as we can. And same thing with Eddie Harvey and his team. They do as much as they can, but you can only justify so many days out of work, days away, um, things like that. So it's not that I don't want to do it or that I'm excited to do some local racing or anything like that. You know, I mean, I want to be a part of the NASCAR wheel modified tour, but unfortunately they're making it tougher. Um, 
And like I said, a Wednesday show at Thompson for a Southern team really means three days out of work. And then it's crazy. They turn around the one, uh, aside from Bristol, which I think is such a big deal and it could be a, its own singled out race. We all want to be a part of it. So we make sacrifices, but they turn around and they make Charlotte a Thursday show down here, non points. Um, yeah, 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 that doesn't make any sense. Which is, yeah. which is, I can't figure out the reasoning. If you want us to travel to Thompson uh, for points, why shouldn't everybody have to travel down here? Just, you right. know, as far as far as the majority of the races being up north, um, you know, I hate to say it, I think they would book a race any, anywhere that a race wanted to be booked. But it's quite an undertaking uh, financially for for a team or for a track, excuse me. And you know the purse was quite a bit different from the Wheel and Southern Modified Tour to the Wheel and Modified Tour, and, and that kind of took a lot of tracks by by shock. So unfortunately, we only got a handful booked. But hopefully this year, you know, I, I was positive about it at first, and again, I don't want to sound negative. I want to be positive about it. Uh, I really thought it was going to be reformed more more than it was with fewer visits at each track. You know, I think when we went to Caraway Speedway so many times, it, it took the specialness away. And I thought maybe a one-time-a-year race where they can have their local tours and their weekly modifieds and different things. But when the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour rolled into town, it would be a big deal, just like it really is a big deal. It is the best of the best. Uh, but unfortunately, it was too much of a leap from five wheel and modified Southern tour events to just one uh, NASCAR wheel and modified tour event. So it's unfortunate like that, you know, a lot of things got kind of left out or looked over, like we said, but um, still, still pumped up, you know, I'm excited to go back to Loudoun, New Hampshire, my home state, um, you know, Bristol, places like that. I, I want to visit Oswego Labor Day weekend. That's a race that's pretty, pretty important to me and a lot of guys on the crew that have uh, been around in modifieds forever. So, Things like that, we're definitely looking up to. And I, I just, I, I just think, um, you know, I know you, you don't personally, you don't sound negative. Uh, you sound like you're speaking very realistically. Um, it from from the from the fan perspective, from my my perspective, um, and, and and the layperson who follows racing occasionally, uh, one of you know some of our listeners fall in that category. Um, it just seems to me that uh, they've made it so. Like everything else in racing, it's all about whichever team has the most money can travel and make the point shows. So, in my opinion, that doesn't necessarily mean the best drivers uh, are going to be in the top of the point standings because you have a guy like yourself who is a great driver and uh, just can't make every show. So, you're you're going to be missing a few races and. Uh, a guy that has a little extra money or more money behind him is going to be able to make those shows and get the points. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I just, uh, you know, there's, a, I, I could go on for, for days about this, uh, with the modified tour, because I think the modified tour is the best racing hands down. You will ever see anywhere. It's better than cup. It's better than Xfinity. It's better than the truck series. It's. I think it's great. Not just because I'm from the north, but I. I think if if people if if NASCAR marketed the Whaling Modified Tour properly, and and got the fan base across the country uh, to see what what what's going on with modified racing, 
they would they would in a few short years in my opinion would have a massive fan base because it's just something that that if you've never experienced it i have friends that that live all over the country tennessee texas uh california uh illinois they see like dirt stuff out there they 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 come out here and they see an asphalt modified for the first time when i bring them and and they can't believe it i mean they're 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 subscribing to sids view to watch you know local stuff at waterford and and when i put up videos I think that NASCAR really is missing the boat as far as getting the fan base back by not properly promoting the Willow Modified Tour. And I think what they did with the merger, um, like I said, it's going to be the first year, so I'm going to come to some slack. But it's going to be make or break, and they have a real opportunity to, to do something big here, and I hope that they don't miss the boat on it. Yeah, I agree. You know, there's definitely things they could do, but I still do believe... Um you know, you had a point about the money, but in reality, uh, one thing that's great about the modified is you can't do it alone with just a car. I, I think some of the stock car stuff has become such cookie cutter that, yes, any 15-year-old development kid can get in a well-prepared car with the right crew chief and can win stuff. Um, but a modified, you, you need a lot of good stuff going on. You need a driver. You need a great car. You need a great motor, all those things. And you know, for the most part, those things don't come cheap other than some natural ability. So the money thing will always be there. What the Wayland Modified Tour, in my opinion, is missing is the ease of getting part-time teams and other teams to join in. Um, that was my opinion. If, my opinion of what's going on with the Wayland Modified Tour is actually what it used to be, let's say, late 80s, early 90s. It traveled more. They used to go to Rougemont, North Carolina, Orange County Speedway. They used to go to South Boston. But if you go back in the uh, old point standings, it was only about 10 guys running it full-time. And that's not to say that the guys at the top 10 in points were the best 10 in the country. That's just the guys that could do it full-time. But if you went to the race results, you had the guys from down south that were just as good as any other teams they're running up front. And then your upstate New York guys and all that. And when we talked in the meeting, the only point I made is it's fine you're making the schedule like it used to be because you'll hear many race fans say that was the heyday of the Wheel and Modified Tour, the Winston Modified Tour back then. And it was. There was a ton of competitors, a ton of big purses, big schedules. It was all good. But what you had was 10 full-time teams and a lot, a lot of part-time teams. Well, what they have now is it's very hard to be a part-time team, and I know because we've done it with our own 70 car for for years. You have to love it. You have to want to do it. It's so expensive. Um, but when you have a race like they had Oswego, New York this year on Labor Day weekend, the history around Oswego Speedway, upstate New York, and on Labor Day weekend in Modifieds is huge. It's huge. And there should have been more participation. The fact that there wasn't one outsider um, entering that race and being a part of the Wheel and Modified Tour because you had all kinds of upstate New York guys, um, you know, that, that weren't a part of it. You know, the, the, the Matt Hirschman, the Andy Jankowiak, stuff like that. And when you go to Monadnock Speedway or the Seacong Speedway, that is John McKennedy's backyard right now, I think you should make it an ease for him to show up and be a part of it. Because if you're not beating those guys in their own backyards, if they're not part of the race, you're not being the best in the country anymore. I'm not saying it's, you know, not beating Doug Kobe. That's a huge feat. 
um, Justin Bonsignor, Timmy Salamino, Ryan Priest coming back. That's huge. But we're leaving too many loopholes with too many good people sitting at home, uh, racing elsewhere or anything like that. So we need to make it to where the guys in the local areas can be part of the Wheel and Modified Tour when they come to town. And I really think that's what's missing. That needs to be addressed. Uh, without a excellent, doubt. Excellent point. Excellent point. Without a doubt, Andy. I mean, it, that's what a lot of people were saying at Oswego and other tracks. I mean, you got 20-something ROC modified tour cars up there, and because of the rules, basically, the way that the Whalen Tour has painted themselves into a, into a box, you can't have other competitors join in. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, anybody that's familiar with weekly modifieds or smaller tour modified upstate New York, Pennsylvania has more weekly modified divisions and weekly tracks than anywhere in the country. So when you go there and have zero participations from the same guys that have been full time all year, you know, you got to look at something there. There was a lot of cars, a lot of competitors and the local competitors draw in the local crowds, you know? So that's huge. One thing that makes, the wheel and modified tour tick, I really believe, is uh, the history in some of these events. I don't care who promoted the icebreaker. The icebreaker is going to go on every year at Thompson or the Spring Sizzler at Stafford. doesn't matter whose name attached to it. You're going to pack the places because they're used to showing up on those weekends to see their favorite modified drivers. And uh, that's one thing they got going for them, but they really need to pump it outside of Connecticut. Now, talking about some of these other options and some of these other series, this new uh, Modified Touring series uh, has put out a pretty ambitious schedule uh, for this upcoming season. Your thoughts on that and any plans to take in any of the events? Um, I think it's great. Uh, you, you know, competition's a good thing, whether it's in the field or uh, with the other series. I don't know a lot about it. Um, they've asked me to sign like a letter of intent to race for them. But the truth is, uh, I'm in North Carolina. If I raced there, it would only be a couple times a year. I'm not a big player. I didn't really want to get in the politics, uh, that's going on in the Northeast with all the races, but you know, you've got a uh, Gary Knight here in the ship, uh, very ambitious guy and ambition will get you uh, uh, going very far. You know, maybe everybody's gotten a little complacent. Everybody else is going to have to look towards uh, their own rules, their own procedures, and start again, start making it a little bit more attractive. Um, I like the American Racer tire that you can run on it hard, but it doesn't really have the maneuverability of a Hoosier tire, so you can't make sudden moves. So I don't know how the racing will be, but you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit removed uh, from what's going on up there, so I don't want to say too much. It's not really, I don't have a dog in the fight. Um, but hopefully it doesn't spread it out too thin. You know, this past year in the Southern deal, we started the year with the NASCAR wheel and Southern modified tour. We had the Southern modified auto racing tour, which was smart, which was formerly coma. And then we had the Southern modified racing series with pass. And now all of a sudden we're down two series. So there's one and I haven't heard much about it. I'd like to hear more lately uh, makes me a little bit nervous but going back to uh 
you know, the history of events, I will tell you that there's going to be a modified race at Hickory on Easter weekend. There's going to be a modified race at Hickory, uh, 4th of July weekend. There'll be a race at Concord. And thank goodness that that's back awake, uh, the weekend of the all-star race or the weekend before, um, it always is. So, so that's good, but hopefully you don't have in the Northeast what's happened here. I don't think you will. Um, but some, there's something's going to give and, and hopefully, uh, it's not too bad and too many feelings aren't hurt. Now you uh, have been chronicling on your uh, social media accounts your uh, countdown to Daytona here when you're going to race your uh, ARCA car at Daytona. Just uh, take us through that whole um, process and talk about the team and just talk about your uh, your goals at the ARCA race at Daytona. Well, it's it, first and foremost, it's a pretty amazing deal, um, and it's a big deal to me. It really is. It, it's something that's very important, special, just to have the opportunity. Um, I've gone further in racing than I ever thought I would. And, um, some people say, well, maybe you're not ambitious enough. Well, I, I was just realistic. And the truth is growing up, I, I never dreamed of any being anything besides a weekly street stock racer at star speedway and everything. That's all I ever wanted to be. Um, those were the heroes I looked up to. to so to, to kind of make it further than that's pretty amazing. Um, and it's just been through conversations that, hey, let's go to Daytona, let's, let's do this. And I got my first opportunity with Brian Doza uh, working out of the Raymock shop with the Ray Hilly brothers. And we just kind of timed it wrong to where we had SB2 built motors when the spec motor came along. And, and that motor was uh, blatantly better. You just weren't going to get in without one. And we kind of just timed it wrong. Well, at the same time, Chris Auer was doing the same with Tommy Barrett. He, he ran in the same thing. We None of us got in. But I remember following that car uh, in in practice and even in the group qualifying, and I thought I had my car rolling through the turns very well, but Tommy's car was even a little bit better. And uh, last year, I thought I was going to have a truck series ride, an ARCA ride, and a modified ride for New Smyrna Speed Weeks and then the truck and ARCA at Daytona. One by one, they, they fell aside. And I said, well, you know what? I, I need to control my own destiny. I, I'm going to be a car owner. Um, with the help from my, my family, which I've always had, and started looking at some super speedway cars to go to Daytona the following year, which is this year coming up. And that car stuck in my mind, how good that car was. And I called Chris Auer, uh, mostly about buying it. And Chris, you know, we, we started talking. I thought he was getting out of racing. He had sold just about everything else. His, hauler his modifieds his motors everything and the car was sitting in a storage container in pennsylvania bobby gerhardt shop and i you know was trying to buy i said no i'm not done in racing i you know chris is a huge huge advocate of racing he loves racing um so we get to talking and, and next thing i know i was actually in las vegas my wife is a engineer at a concrete drainage plant and we were at world of concrete or she was at a seminar, I was out at the Shelby Museum in line. In the phone conversation, when Chris called me back about buying the car lasted so long, I had to get out of line for the Shelby tour. And I just sitting in the car in the parking lot in Las Vegas, and it was pretty neat. You know, got to know Chris a little bit more than I had known him from uh, the racetrack and just running into him at the Modifieds. And, and he always enjoyed talking with Chris. He's a, he's a very upbeat, positive person. Um, always enjoyed seeing him 
So we, we strike a deal. Next thing I know, he's, we'll find a motor and we're going to go to Daytona. And it was about three weeks out at that point. Um, and I started making phone calls. That was the rest of my Vegas trip was trying to line stuff up. It was pretty funny. Yeah, I remember even getting on the plane because it's such a long plane ride. I was going through security on my phone with Chris and unfortunately didn't find a motor in time. And that was with that spec deal. There were only so many out. So luckily when we talked and we did, uh, you know, again, Chris decides he wants to stay in race and he's going to stay the owner. Um, my parents coming down from New Hampshire one trip, picked up the car in Pennsylvania, brought it to my shop in Salisbury, North Carolina, which is just a two, two bay garage at my house. And luckily we got the ball rolling when we were looking for the motor from Daytona. Well, we didn't get it till four days before the Talladega race and putting one of those new spec motors in. It's a different block. So all the motor mounts are different. It's fuel injected. So you have different hoses, different wiring, pencil coil motor, uh, really nice motor done by, by Elmore, but a lot of work. So in four days we had this thing plumbed. We had it wired. We were going to Talladega. Chris couldn't make the race. He had, uh, previous plans to go on vacation to Florida with his wife. Um, so they did that and things went amazing better than I ever thought. We practiced top 10, we qualified top 10. We were running third. Um, I made a rookie mistake, got shuffled out of the draft, came back up into the top 10 after falling out of the top 20 and coming to pit road, the brakes failed. Um, long story short. And, the pedal didn't go soft because the rotors actually came apart. So the part of the rotor stuck between the pads and the caliper. So I had hard pedal. I just thought I was the jerk that timed it wrong. I'm like, this is me. I'm the guy on TV. I'm just going to pile into everybody coming to pit road. And, uh, fortunately, uh, you know, not the case didn't cause a big wreck, but, um, we were on TV there. Went in the grass cause I couldn't get slowed down enough and I actually caught the grass on fire because part of the brake rotors were coming out and finally made it to my pit stall, did our pit stop and we were going back out. And when they pushed or when I took off with the car, the guys looked down and there was brake rotor parts, um, sitting in the pit stall. So we had to stop. They said, told me to stop at that point. Those parts of the rotors were the ones that were in the calipers between the pads. I hit the brakes and I had no brakes. So now it all made sense why I couldn't slow down to pit road. Um, so our race was over, but it, it really just pumped everybody up. I know Chris was with his friends in Florida watching the race, from what I understand, screaming at the TV, um, having a great time. And it kind of just snowballed from there. That was the last race of the year we could use that car. We've been building up our ARCA team a little bit more. Um, we do have the works to get a, uh, another car with a new flange fit body, which will kind of open us up to run every other track besides the super speedways after this. So, um, really excited, really excited. And, you know, we've been working on the car out of my shop, um, volunteer crew. My dad has been a huge help. My parents, my mom, uh, have been down here, uh, a lot of help from Todd Cooper, uh, Josh Nichols after work, got a crew chief named, Matt Weber, who was hanging out with us at Talladega, wasn't as hands-on, but he's big into it this year. Um, my spotter, Charlie Brown, he's been up here. And then when we went to the Daytona test, a lot of my guys from the modified team in New Hampshire volunteered. They were down there. Um, so really, really neat deal. Um, 
mostly volunteer guys we've been been around with forever and, and you know you're you're fighting against these teams that got a dozen full-time guys their cars have been in the wind tunnel um we were not quite as fast as them at the test i would have loved to have been faster but you know realistically we didn't do a lot of drafting because instead of going to the wind tunnel we do our aerodynamic tests at the track did it get faster did it not um you know we haven't gone to the chassis dyno so do we line up our drivetrain so that's some of the stuff we're fighting there uh you know chris and sponsors that have come on canto paving cape cod aggregates they've been great and it, they've given us a tremendous amount of money they've been very generous but it's still at this level incredible the money that we're racing against so uh one thing i've got going for me i've always known how to race cheap and and work hard and long hours and get the most out of your dollar so we're doing that and i i think come daytona our goal is to get in we're not guaranteed in it's group qualifying which makes me nervous to be 100 percent honest with you because you're kind of dependent on the people you're drafting with um but if we can get in that race which is obviously a very big fear in all of us because we've all been to the point we haven't been in this race um if we can get in that race, I think we have a car that will draft excellent and can compete, you know, not only for a top 10 or top five, but can compete for the lead and eventually the win. All right, Andy. Well, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for uh, your uh, candor on some of the subjects, uh, you know, pertaining to the tour and, and also for filling in, uh, you know, your, your legions of followers on social media with this whole ARCA deal. And we wish you all the luck in the world with it. But uh, before we let you go, uh, anybody you want to thank, uh, family, crew, sponsors, anybody you want to thank? Well, first of all, it's uh, my mother's birthday, so I wanted to wish her a happy birthday. Gotta and it's, it's the anniversary <laughs> of her 29th birthday. <laughs> but, um, you know, just, just really thankful. Uh, I'm in a great point in my life with uh, not only the family, you know, my parents, but starting starting our own family, uh, my wife, Jen, and, and my five-month-old son, Lyle. And it's been, it's just neat to be as fortunate as I am. Like I said, I never dreamed past racing street stocks at Star Speedway. So a uh, big thanks to Eddie, Eddie Harvey and his wife, Christy, and Phoenix Pre-Owned Motors, uh, the Bryant family, Shane um, Bryant from Davis Roofing, Vestal Buick GMC helping us with the modified stuff. And then, of course, Chris Auer and his family, Robert B. Auer Construction, Canto Paving, Cape Cod Aggregates, and everybody that's that always helped me uh, along the way. Like I said, my, my family, um, as well as Wayne and Libby Johnson, my dad's business partners in Rockingham Boat, Leon Holmes Excavating, all my guys back home, uh, Summit Signs, Racing Electronics has helped me out forever um and, and they're a big part but just very fortunate to be where i'm at and you know uh very thankful of that all right once again andy thank you very much we really appreciate you coming on good luck in daytona and uh we'll see you uh see you at the race somewhere all right thank you very much glad to talk to you guys thanks andy thank you all right mike andy seuss uh always a great guest on the show um Pretty much lays the cards out on the table and tells you what he's thinking and doesn't uh, sugarcoat things and gets to the point. And man, what a what a what a story with that Arca deal, huh? 
Oh yeah, do you, I, I follow him on uh, on Facebook. So um, I actually saw pictures of uh, of the car, and they were sanding Bondo. I, and I think it started raining. Was, was the story uh, with the picture? And they had these giant blue tarps, and uh, and and they just look like like a loose bunch that that has a good time. And he said it best. He runs on a on a, on a light budget, and uh, he's, he's got some uh, some really good people behind him that believe in his talent. He's a very talented guy. I mean, uh, he, he's a, he's a great race car driver. Um, and he's uh, you know started a family. And he's, he he said it best. He's very blessed uh, to have what he has and do what he does. Um, it's just guys like that that you really want to get behind and uh, and and, and uh, support uh, people like him because, like you said, he's a straight shooter. Puts the cards out on the table. Doesn't really. I'm not gonna say he doesn't care who he offends, but but he he says it like it is. And if somebody gets offended by it, so be it. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But um, you know, uh, just really exciting to see uh, him. Uh, be able to compete in the ARCA race uh, at Daytona this year. I know I'll be watching um, and, and you know, wish him all the best of luck. All right, Mike. Well, uh, that about wraps it up for our first show of 2017 here. We're going to not get into our weekly uh, shows just quite yet. We'll probably wait a, wait a few more weeks and maybe do a show during New Smyrna or, you know, right after, you know, like a post-New Smyrna show. And then we'll, you know, probably take another little hiatus and, We'll start our weekly shows probably March or April, but uh, you got New Smyrna coming up. Um, rumor has it uh, seventeen modified signed up already, so that that's that's a good a good thing. Uh, five nights of racing down there, uh, the twentieth to the twenty fifth, I believe, of February. Twentieth uh, to the twenty, yeah, yeah. I think you got that one right on the head there. And then of course, uh, there's a. The first Whalen Modified Tour race of the season is uh, March 18th at Myrtle Beach Speedway. And then the Icebreaker, April 1st, Mike, up in our neck of the woods here. So uh, we just got to basically survive a few more weeks here, and then it'll be racing time. Yeah, I can't wait for the Icebreaker. It, I was I was on Facebook earlier. I was reading the list of some, some of the new Smyrna guys. Uh, I think Pre-Silk, Salamino Hirschman, Hosfeld. Bertuccio, Bonsignor, McKennedy, Nikiva, Pillai, Jimmy Blewett, Donnie Leah, Jimmy Zacharias. Yeah, uh, definitely one of the stoutest fields that's been down there in quite some time. Uh, I know a lot there's of some people, other people I've never heard of, so I did, that were listed off, but um, definitely, definitely going to be. There's some names on there that. The, there's some names that aren't on there that, that of people that will probably you know at some point show up down there. I, I don't see Woody Woody on there, um, but I think he's racing the opener at Myrtle. Yeah, there's a, so there's, a there's an open show at Myrtle Beach, I believe, after New Smyrna. I could be wrong on that. I think it's February 10th. Okay, so then obviously it's before, and then it, and then it's uh, there's also the Bronson Speedway race too. That's an open race. Uh, so there's a bunch of stuff going on down there, and there'll be, uh, you know, like you say, it seems like uh, for the first time in, you know, quite a few years, there's a, there's a huge interest in uh, getting racing, you know, getting every getting the itch scratched early this year by a lot of teams. Yeah, this, this 
I'm just reading through some of the stuff right here. It's it's nuts, man. All right, Mike. Well, we uh, want to thank all our guests, Matt Buckler, Tom Fox, Andy Sice, Eric LaFleche at Victory Lane Radio. Thank you, as always, Mike, for uh, flying alongside me here. And uh, it was great to uh, be back with all the listeners and uh, we'll talk to you in a few weeks. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's it for this week on the Racers Rewind. Join host Glenn Carcidi and Mike Saluka each and every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Only on the Victory Lane Radio Network, presented by Anytime Realty, empowered, loud, and proud by the HD Radio Network in Austin, Texas. Keep up with all things Racers Rewind by going to the VLR Facebook page, facebook.com backslash VL Radio Show. HDRadioNetwork.com. 